welcome to the big leagues. And with Austin yelling, welcome to episode 89 of the Sports Gospel Show here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Happy to have you here with us if you're new to our show. We do sports talk, current events, some historical talk, and some trivia, but we try to keep it lighthearted. We have fun with it. We're not going to try not to be blowhards who just want to fire people and talk about how awful people are. We're not, we're not hot take show. We're a have fun sports show. That's right, I baby. I need to come up with a catchier way to say that. Sports is about having fun. That's why we all love sports. It's escapism. It's fun. Uh, ask some of the fan bases that are in these weekend's games about that because we do have a couple passionate fan bases involved as we get talking about the NFC and AFC title games. But before we do that, who's the greatest 89 of all time in sports? Anybody immediately come to mind? Steve Smith Sr. Ooh, that's a good pull. I was going to say Ken Schrader for the racing fans, but he may have been 87. So that's Somebody the first one that comes to mind. I thought about that. I couldn't think of 89. Maybe like Lavernius Coles was 89. I don't know why that for anybody who watched Jets football in do you, 2003. Do you remember the the uh, 2003 Panthers run to the Super Bowl? Do you remember that year when they played a double overtime game against the, the Rams? I must have been I was, I was 11 years old, 12 years old, when uh, Steve Smith in the, the first or second play of double overtime scored on like a 60-yard touchdown pass to beat the Rams to go to – did he beat the Rams? He had to beat the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. And uh, God, who was their who was their quarterback? Jake Delhomme. That was, was that Jake right? Delhomme year. Julius Pepper. Yeah, that was, like that was Julius Pepper's like rookie year. Saw a second season. He was really young in that. Stephen Davis was on that team. Is that right? Stephen Davis still the back for them. Yeah, that was before Jonathan Stewart. I'm trying to think, like what, there was a Rucker. They, yeah, there was like a really good defensive line. That's what I remember about that team. It was before Luke Keekley. They had. Is John Beeson there yet? I may have been before I him. Don't I don't know. I thought they had a stud I, linebacker at the time. Lucky for you, I have the NFC title games pulled up in front of me. I Pan- think it was 2003. Oh, that's going to tie in very well to tonight's topic. They beat the Eagles in the NFC title game. They may have beat the Rams along the way, but in the championship game, they beat the Eagles. Okay, so they must have played the Rams in the division. I know that they – oh, so because the Eagles, that was when – Do you need me to look it up so you can sleep tonight? No. I mean, you can, but – that was also an Eagles team that was tie-in, coached by tie-in, Andy Reid. Mm, more on that later. That was the, for the Eagles, made four straight NFC title games and lost three of them. But they, so the Panthers got in as a wild card, beat the Cowboys, destroyed the Cowboys, beat the Rams, as you mentioned, in double overtime. I was right about that. Yeah. And then beat the Eagles in a very dull NFC title game, 14-3. to And then they got, it was a 32-29 to game against the Patriots, but that was a point in my life i don't really remember the super bowls all that well i just remember the when the patriots beat like the panthers and the eagles back to back i just kind of blocked that out of my mind i'm curious as to because i thought that that was a close game but i thought that there was walked off so i'm surprised that that super bowl i think was it was a i think it may have been a last second um vinitary field goal that's not oh it's three points not four points yeah okay i can't do math apparently so numbers are hard that's why we do sports that's why we do sports because we don't think about numbers I do remember. I remember a lot of that stuff because I was. They went for two at one point in that Super Bowl, and they didn't get it. It's a lot of random, the random vibes that I'm getting from this 2003 Panthers team. Um, I just mostly remember Steve Smith for like the trash talk and the hits. He and Anquan Bolden were the two wide receivers who were yeah. experts at like the crackback block, or they'd get in guys' faces and. Had had no trouble laying the wood and being trash talkers. Well, Steve Smith, I mean, he was he has to be one of the sh- in terms of stature, the one of the smaller yeah. receivers that maybe has played in terms of his st- statistical prominence. Um, 
Yeah, to be that short and be that good. Like, there's plenty of short guys, but to be as good as he was at his size. He was number 89, good pull. Exactly. Wikipedia lists him at 5'9", 195. So, but he was one of the best, for his height, one of the best jump ball receivers. Two-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, five-time mm-hmm. Pro Bowler, led the league in receptions, receiving yards. Apparently, 2005, he had a monster year. He led the, lead in, led the league in everything. He's in the Panthers Hall of Honor. Played in two Super Bowls because he also played in a Super Bowl with Cam Newton, I think. First right? team, first team All Mountain West. Let's look at his career. Is he? Did he play somewhere else or was yeah, yeah, he played for the Ravens, the Ravens for a couple years? Do you think that? And he also he was one of the first to, that started wearing the senior on the back mm. of his jersey because he started that trend. Steve once he had his Smith kids, senior was it playoff statistics? Three, four years with the Panthers. And then one year with the Ravens. It looks like he was not on that Cam Newton. Not on the Super Bowl team, but he was yeah. on the Cam Newton. And he he did 20, play with Cam Newton. 2013 Panthers, so he had to be with Cam, but they, yeah, lost, they were year. one and done that year. Yeah, his rookie year, I think. Cam's rookie year, that is. So that I'll tell you, when I was when I was of 11, 12 years old, I played uh, Madden with John Foster. Good, good name pull. You're dropping a lot of the classics here tonight. Classics. I am I the only person who, when I play Madden, I like to pick random teams. I don't want to play with my favorite team and my favorite players. I just kind of roll the dice and be like, uh, I want to be the Saints from 2015. Like I don't, I don't care. No, I play with somebody fun or like NBA. I'll just randomly be the Clippers just because. That's that, you're not the only one that does that. People who only want to play with their own teams, like yeah. their favorite team, like yeah. And again, there's a reason why I played with the 2003 Panthers team because they were fun. To, they were a fun team. And to, and I, I'm looking at the roster now. That's why a good pull. When you're talking about Rucker, it, it's here Chris I'm thinking you just memorized Deshaun Foster. Chris Rucker is that right here? Yeah, is not, that right? I think so. yeah. I remember there being a Mike Rucker. Rucker. Mike, Mike Rucker. Rucker. You know who the the receiver the receiving room not bad Musi Muhammad Ricky Prohl I forgot that was Musi Muhammad and Steve Smith yeah. the same year good receiver room good receiver room the third string quarterback Chris Winky nice I thought you were gonna give me a Kerry Collins like he was still there but he was third string by that point no Chris Winky former Heisman Trophy winner right did he win did he I never remember between he and Heupel who won the yeah he won two thousand it looks so like he, Florida he State he beat Heupel. Should we start talking about the actual games? Well, I mean, we just spent five minutes talking about the 2003 Panthers. I don't think anybody saw that coming. But we can trend backwards to talking about this week's slate is going to be NFL heavy as we are in championship week, AFC and NFC title games. We'll talk a little bit about the coaching carousel that's been going on and just dip our toes into free agency with one player in particular who wears number 12. We'll talk about him here in a minute. Maybe two players that wear number 12. And then I do have a new trivia game. If you listened to our show last week, Andrew played. We're going to see how Austin does on this week's show. But let's start first. I better think. than Andrew. He got four out of five. So not better, than, not better than Andrew. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's start with the NFC title game. It is going to be first on Sunday noon for us here on the West Coast. Later in the day, for those of you not on the West Coast, it is the San Francisco 49ers, a team that I think a lot of people expected to be here. I don't think a lot of people expected them to be here with Brock Purdy as their quarterback. But going into the season, the Niners are a, a big favorite. And then the Eagles, I don't think a lot of people saw the Eagles here at best, maybe a 500 team that'd be competing for what we thought at the time was the NFC least and turned out to be the best division in the NFC, if not the entire NFL, that NFC East meat grinder. 13-4 and four Niners at the 14-3 and three Eagles, one versus two. Who are you taking? Well, we'll get into who I'm taking here in a oh, second, okay. but can we just talk about how 
uh, how fun of a game this is going to be. I think that I'm. I mean, if you want to pick out two of the top teams in the NFC, I think we. I think they got it. Uh, you know, and it's funny because you watch the last three games that the Eagles played uh, without Jalen Hurts, and the impact and the importance that he plays on that roster and to that team was made very apparent. Uh, and so now that he's come back and he's as healthy, as healthy as he's going to get, um, and he showed how important he is in last week's game as well uh, against the Giants. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to this game. It's two of the best defenses in the league, and also we have two of the most unique uh, and intricate offenses that are going to be ran as well. And so, you know, when you talk about best against best on both sides of the ball, I think that that's exactly where we're going to get. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, a game that may not see either team scoring more than 20 points, but may end up in a field goal game. So I'm really looking forward to this one. That's a little bit what concerns me about the Eagles. Looking at their schedule, if you factor in the bye week, the last seven weeks of the season, they've played six games. Three of them were against the Giants, so they swept the Giants three times. Lost to the Cowboys, lost to the Saints, and then beat the Bears. I kind of limp to the finish line, and you can chalk most or all that up to not having 100% healthy Jalen Hurts. And what shape is he in right now? Beating the Giants 38-7 last week would leave you to believe he's in good shape. I'm still a little bit nervous. I'm, I'm with you. I think this game is a toss-up. I have no strong feeling. feelings one way or the other. There's one player on the Niners that I would cheer on. But for the most part... I don't have a I don't have a big clue in on this one. The Eagles are two and a half point favorites. The over under is forty six. So you're going under. So if you it's think a, it's a race, so to 20? If it's a, so forty. So is that like a twenty three twenty kind of game? Twenty six twenty. Is like a twenty three twenty three game. So forty six. You're over under. So like a twenty five twenty two kind of game, or like so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would probably take the under. Well. Yeah, what's what part of it? I guess I suppose I haven't looked into what the weather's going to be like in Philadelphia. I think that's a I think big it's factor. Supposed to be thirty-five-ish. I don't know about I don't know about precipitation, but I think both games on Sunday are supposed to be like thirty-five to forty degrees. Yeah, and you know I'm not worried about the temperature because both these teams are outdoor teams. But you know I would be more concerned as to whether or not the field conditions because we know that Philadelphia plays on grass and. Uh, you know, the more that that comes down, obviously the less points are going to be scored. Vegas usually has a pretty good stronghold on on what that's going to look like. So I trust that the 46. So, I mean, the 46 is, you know, a 25-22 kind of game. Um, maybe a 24-21 is probably what they're looking at. Uh, uh, so, you know, I don't think that three touchdowns on either on both sides is unrealistic. But I do think that the defenses uh, are – are the strength of both of these teams obviously we look at what the Niners have done all season you know you play you play the back half of your season with a third string quarterback and you're still able to win every game I think they've won 12 in a row at this point 11 in a row 13 I don't even know where their streak is at um uh, and six or seven of the six or seven of those are with Brock Purdy who um, greatest quarterback who's ever lived no offense to Brock Purdy and no uh, offense to, how, no offense to Iowa State how dare you but there's a reason why he was drafted in the seventh round and on the first round doesn't make him a bad quarterback he's still a solid quarterback but there's just there's a there's a reasoning behind that and so does he turn into the next Tom Brady and yes you know rip off in 15 winning seasons in a row I don't know 
but as it stands right now, he's been a lot of fun to watch, and he has a, a swag and a moxie about him, especially after winning the first handful of games. The way that he played against the Seahawks and the way that he was able to pull out some some good throws against the Cowboys, it's going to be a fun game. I think that this is going to be the toughest defense he, that he's maybe faced since he started. Uh, so I don't know that he fares as well this week as, he's, as he has in the past. But knowing Shanahan's offense and knowing what he's be, he is able to create and the weapons that they have around him, uh, I still think that they're going to have uh, a, a decent opportunity to put up you know three or four touchdowns. And the Niners have won 12 in a row. They finished the season with 10, 10 straight wins and then two here in the playoffs taking down the Seahawks in round one and then Dallas last week. You had a very high-scoring game against Seattle and a very low-scoring game against Dallas. I think Philadelphia is going to split the difference on this one. And because of, even though you hate him, Brock Purdy, that's going to be my only cheering interest in this game. So without much confidence, I'm going to pick the Niners. Brocktober is going to extend into January and February. So give me the Niners, like you say, in a very close game. I think it'll go a little bit higher scoring. I think they're going to cover the spread, but... Like you say, a field goal game. Give me 27-24 San Francisco. Yeah, and I'm not even hating on Brock Purdy necessarily. I just there, I do think that there is a reason why um, he was drafted the way that he was. And, you know, he could turn into being something special and being exactly what the 49ers need. And he could marry up with Shanahan well for the next 10 years and be an amazing quarterback. And I'm not saying that he won't be, especially if he can stay healthy. Uh, speaking of Jimmy Garoppolo, just because he has had that inability or struggled with that over the course of his career. So um, with that being said, not to talk about Brock Purdy too much, I'm going to go opposite of what you just said. Uh, I am going to pick the Eagles. I think that Jalen Hurts has uh, a big game, and I think you know it's been 20-some games since the 49ers have given up a 70-yard rusher or more, and I think Jalen Hurts has a couple big runs in the first quarter, pulls ahead early, and then the Niners' defense settles in. By that point, Brock Purdy's not going to be able to come back. It's going to be a little bit too late. So I'm going to go 20-17 uh, to 17 Eagles. I was just trying to look up here how the Eagles or the Niners have fared against athletic quarterbacks. I don't know the last time they played one because Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray did not play when they played the Cardinals. Derek Carr, Taylor Heineke, Geno, Brady, Tua. Tua may have been the last athletic one they played, and they fared pretty well. Uh, I don't even know that Tua's would be considered more a running quarterback, more or less, though. So they, I guess they lost to, they lost in the opening week to Justin Fields, but that was, it feels like an entirely different Niners team at that point in time. Uh, it's it's weird to me to think about, we forget how good the Niners have been in their history. We know they had the Rice-Montana era, but they've just been a solid franchise all around for years. They have, this is their 18th conference title game. They're 7-10 and 10 all time. That's the most appearances of any team in the NFL, I believe the Steelers are second, but the Niners most conference title games, AFC or NFC, they're seven and ten all time. Their last win was in 2019, five and five at home, two and five on the road. So if you're looking for some little, you know, if you're splitting hairs like we are here, Eagles may have that advantage there. They're in their eighth, three and four all time, and they're three and two at home, zero oh and two on the road. So if this was in the greater California area, because the Niners don't play anywhere near San Francisco. 
Can you, so can we talk about that for two seconds? It's basically like any Portland team playing in Salem. That's how far away San Francisco is from Santa Clara. So for the rest of the country, Portland and Salem are very far apart. About a 45-minute drive, would we say, right? And that's with that's like without traffic. You have to factor in San Francisco traffic. So if you're like, I live in San Francisco, I want to go to a Niners game, it's like 45 miles plus factoring in just getting out of the city. So, Yeah, never understood that. But I suppose if the rent is cheaper, we're going to build a stadium where the rent is cheap. Yeah, I don't think people are really going to flock to the Santa Clara 49ers. I don't know. I kind of like that name. It rings well. Making enemies with the people in San Francisco. Just like the Salem Trailblazers. Ooh, that does sound cool, though. Salem's a cool word. Cool name. Uh, you know the Minnesota Vikings are fourth all-time in title game appearances in the NFC? You know the Vikings have still never won a, <laughs> a Super Bowl? Every NFC team has made a conference title game at least once. The Lions are 0-1, and the what, Cardinals are 1-1. What year did they – yeah, the Cardinals uh, – The every Vikings fan is – you were going to roll on a tangent now. Every Vikings fan is banking on the, the, uh, the 2022 Vikings – being like the uh, was it 2009 2008 was the year that the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Steelers because uh, the defense for the Cardinals that year was 30th in the NFL was 31st that the, like they had the best offense and the worst defense and the Steelers were the exact opposite something like that like something the Steelers like had that the best defense and the Cardinals had the best offense and but the Cardinals had a really bad defense that year and right. the Vikings had the 31st or 32nd ranked defense this year which is unreal to think that they had 13 wins uh, but every Vikings fan was just praying that the Vikings could turn into the 2008-2009 rookie. I think that was Larry Fitzgerald's uh, like fourth year in the league. He's young, Larry Fitzgerald. Kurt Warner was on that yeah, team. Kurt, good, yep. good offense. Um, but every Vikings fan was banking on the fact that they could turn into that team and roll into the Super Bowl. And Daniel Daniel Jones came into U.S. Bank and said, "I think that he said he has better ideas of what he thinks can happen." So. But as I think we talked about this in previous shows with some of the other hosts, the Vi- the Vikings and the Chargers are the two teams that were not allowed to ever advance and win th- have a nice thing. Yeah, the last time we played the Giants in the playoffs, or one of the last times, we lost to them 41 nothing in the NFC Championship game. Solid. So that was a fun game. Do you want me to rub this in a little bit more? I mean, you're going to anyways. So of the 16 NFC teams, uh, 12 of them have won an NFC, have been to the Super Bowl okay, in have, the 2000s. So they've won an NFC title game. 12 of them? 12 of the 16. Okay. There's four that have not made the Super Bowl in the 2000s. Okay. The Dallas Cowboys, which is always fun to remind Cowboys Oh, I thought you were going to ask me if I could name them, but that's the, okay. The Commanders last won an NFC title game in 91. The Commanders are 5-1 and one in NFC title games, which, yeah, yeah, they never make it anymore without Joe Gibbs as the coach, but that's Because they had the record. Hogs in the 80s. Right. Yeah. Well, they win three Super Bowls, two Super Bowls in the eighties. Yeah, I think they. I want to say they won two. But yeah. I'd have to look it up. So the Lions have never won one. Zero and one. Their only appearance was in ninety one, and they got smashed by. I want to say it was somebody in the NFC East. The early nineties was just the Giants, Washington, and Cowboys rotating who won the NFC in the nineties. Oh like, yeah. Oh, like the, late eighties, yeah, yeah. early nineties. It was just East, those yeah. three teams okay. constantly right. rotating. Right. 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 And then you've got sandwiched in there the Minnesota Vikings last conference title win nineteen seventy six. Three and six all time in appearances. So, oh, I thought that we had been to four Super Bowls for some reason. Been to three, lost all three. Yeah, we lost to the Chiefs one year, lost to the Dolphins one year, and I think it was the Commanders franchise. Yes, I think is right. So, nineteen seventy six. Yeah, I think those, or maybe we lost to the Steelers. Maybe it was the Steel Curtain we lost to. 
Regardless, I know that they lost for sure the Chiefs one year. And the Dolphins, I think, is another hey, one. So the last time the Vikings made the NFC title game was in 2017? Yeah, we lost to the Eagles. Don't there remind you go. me. Time, 38 time, to 7. Timed all full circle. The last time the Eagles won one was in 2017. That was yeah, their last appearance before this year. And that was with Nick Foles, and that's when they beat Tom Brady 38-33 in the U.S. Bank. I think I think the Saints fans have more right to be upset than you guys do that year, because that was the... Do we call it the Minneapolis Miracle or the Minnesota Miracle? What do we call that? Minneapolis Miracle? The Minneapolis Miracle. The, they had no... Ch- no reason they should have beaten the Saints, but the last-minute heroic play. There was, there's been a couple years where the Saints have kind of gone screwed out of, uh, of a, of a playoff run. There was the, there was the uh, phantom non-pass interference call in what 2016, 2017, whenever that was against the Rams. There was the non-pass interference call against Kyle Rudolph against the Vikings 2020, 2021, whenever that was in the divisional round, or maybe that was in the wild card round. It must have been in the wild card round. Um, the Saints have the Saints have had some issues of their own, um, but yeah, being a Vikings fan, I tell you what, has been there's been treacherous. But we can also say the same thing about the Chiefs. If we're gonna roll into that, the Chiefs have ha- had their share of struggles for a long time. I think they're they won Super Bowl four, maybe right, and then they just were they were a good franchise, solid franchise. Never had the right quarterback. Never had the right coach. Um, have some of the most loyal fan base, one of the most loyal fan bases. I think they're, they're the loudest stadium in the NFL because they surpassed the the Seahawks after the Seahawks broke the record. Um, and then they finally were able to get the right coach and the right quarterback. And it turns out uh, when you can marry those two together, you're going to be successful for a lot of years. This is their fifth straight AFC championship game, if, I'm, if I remember you correctly. Correct. The problem is they keep losing them. So, uh, well, they've won two. They're two and two. They've Last five years, they're two and two. Uh, so do we want to talk about that game a little bit? How much time do we have I mean, left? We, time is of the essence. We're unlimited time on this show, but after your soliloquy there about the Chiefs, I think we talked about this on last week's show, how it's weird to think that the Chiefs, they're in their, this is their sixth NFC, or AFC title game, which once you take out the Steelers, Patriots, and Raiders, it kind of drops off to everybody else. It's weird to think that the Chiefs have only been to six games and then five of them, like they only went to one AFC title game before. You don't think about the Chiefs being a terrible franchise. They have dedicated fans. They're kind of a team that's ten and six or nine and seven or ten and seven good now. Team forever, right? Yeah, you don't think about them being terrible. But you also, 100%. Oh, you would have expected them to at least be in more AFC title games or make more Super Bowl appearances. Yeah, they. Well, I think it was Super Bowl three. I, want I to think say that's after. no because three, three or four was, is three, three the was, Namath game yeah, exactly. So I think Super Bowl was either two or four. Either way, no, because the first two are the Packers, right? But, I thought the Packers played. Packers were number one, but who did sure. they play? And the Packers. I thought the Packers beat the Chiefs in number two. Um, I don't. One re- of us look us up. We, there's so many internet enabled screens in front of us right now. One of us can pull this up. I have AFC and NFC title games in front of me at the moment. I'm working on it as we Efforting, speak, as as we vamp. Um, but uh, where's where's the game taking place this weekend? So they played it this uh, Kansas City. Uh, what's the, what, in what stadium? Arrowhead, Burrowhead, Burrowhead. I tried to set you up for it. The Joe Burrow, the Kansas City Chief Killer, that's going to be the big storyline here. And we'll, yeah, so we'll, we'll go several different directions with this. But as we're clumsily transitioning, the later Sunday afternoon game on CBS, Bengals at Chiefs 12-4, and four, Bengals the three seed at the number one seeded Chiefs 14-3, and three, Chiefs favored by a point and a half. So as we're rolling back, we were talking about the Vikings. The Chiefs beat the Vikings in Super Bowl four. Weren't they in Super Bowl two? 
Um, I haven't gotten there yet, but they yeah. they won in Super. They beat the Vikings in Super Bowl four. Gotcha. So if we're talking about the Chiefs, that was their, and that was previously when they were good. Bud Grant was the coach, or Bud Grant was the coach of the Vikings. Okay, Bud Grant was <laughs> the coach of the Chiefs. Was, Hank Stram. Yeah, Hank Stram. So the Jets won Super Bowl three. Right, that was the Jets over the Colts. Yep, and that was a big one with the guarantee. Uh, Super Bowl two was Packers over Raiders. Super Bowl one was Packers over Chiefs. Yeah, there you go. I knew they were in one of the first two. Yeah, Hank Stram, which was a legendary coach for a long time. Again, Hank, Hank Stram versus Vince Lombardi. We modern yeah. fans don't understand. Yeah, those are two legends. And I'll tell you, the uh, as you said, the Chiefs are one of those. It, I, you know, they have a, probably a little bit more of a storied history than the Vikings do. But there's 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 something to be said about them. The Midwest teams, I wouldn't necessarily place them in like a northern Midwest, maybe no. close to it, but uh, a lot of those Midwest franchises just have some of the most loyal fans, um, and a lot of them, I mean, the Bears are kind of, you can put the Bears in there a little bit too, Colts, yeah. uh, a lot of those franchises are just consistently, for the most part, I mean, everybody has a bad year from time to time, but um, there are a lot of consistency around there, uh, a lot of that kind of northern Midwest conservatism that allows them to get to 9, 10, 11 wins, but doesn't necessarily get them to a Super Bowl every year. Cold weather, oh. cold weather fan bases are better fan bases. I said it. Fight me. Steelers, Chiefs, Bears, Lions, Packers, better fans than South and West Coast teams. There. Said it. I'm a Vikings fan, so I'm not even going to argue with you. Okay. Yeah, you're you're gonna try to tell me that Dolphins and Cardinals fans are as passionate as Steelers or I have Chiefs. heard, and I don't believe this, but I have heard that Cardinal like the big red sea in Arizona is one of the best fan bases like atmospheres. I don't think I believe it because I would argue that there's a lot better atmospheres when it comes to Kansas City and Minnesota and when the stadium uh, when the roof's not falling in. Well, they can't now, it's made out of glass. Ah. Glass shatters, you know. It's at a slant. The snow falls right off. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Philadelphia fans could probably get thrown in there as well. I think they're really passionate fans. They're probably a little more on edge. <laughs> I, I had this thought thinking about these fan bases coming into this. Think about these fans. You have the, the poor Bengals fans. So I don't think anybody really hates the Bengals because they've just been so downtrodden for so long. So they're just kind of happy to be there. Niners fans or whatever, eh. Niners fans are a mess. They are one of the most obnoxious fan bases that we maybe have dealt with. But the but the Chiefs fans are really. I think the Chiefs fans are passionate but positive. Like I don't think people hate the Chiefs the way they hated the Patriots during their dynasty, at least not yet. But then you have the Eagles fans. So I don't think Eagles fans are like. And, and maybe if you're a, a NFC East fan, you may feel differently. But I feel like to the rest of the NFL, Eagles fans are. The, it's more inward hate than outward hate. Eagles fans aren't going to talk crap to the Vikings or the saints, they're just going to implode and yell at their own team and their own people. Yeah. That like, it's, it's not like when you go to the dot, like an, but it's a, a, a baseball but it's a game, wick implosion. Yes. And right. Hair, hair trigger, but it's all like self-hating. Yeah. It's a quick implosion. As soon as they lose one game, Jalen hurts, obviously goes from the MVP to the, to the right. bottom floor of the league, which is hilarious to watch. But you know, I, I don't. I, it is. It was fun to watch the Eagles this year, and I still. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of their fan base either. But to your point, I think that they are more. They they rather deal with the self inflicted wounds than they would um, spray their hatred towards the Cowboys or the Commanders <laughs> or anybody else. So, right. anyway, Chiefs Chiefs are they're passionate, but I I don't think they're really 
obnoxious fans, and I grew up around a lot of Chiefs fans. I don't think they're terrible. And then Bengals fans are they're just kind of looking around. They're still bewildered, like, oh, we're here? What do we do? Uh, yeah, and I think that that comes with a Midwest nice a little bit, right? Yeah, Ohio, Ohio's borderline Midwest. We would. It's it's a case-by-case basis whether or not we want to claim Cincinnati, I was Ohio talking people. more Kansas City than Ohio. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right? Kansas City nice in the Chiefs kingdom. Kansas City nice. Yeah, the big red sea that we got out there. So um, if we want to talk about the game a little bit, I'm really excited oh, yeah, to see the uh, – See the weapons on that are going to be on the loose for this game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun with uh, everybody that's playing. Uh, I don't know uh, what Patrick Mahomes' his injury status is going to look like. He obviously sprained his ankle pretty, um, pretty bad in the in the previous game. It didn't stop them from winning, as we know, but it's definitely made him stay within the pocket. It turned him from what we know him to be a superhuman into a very casual, normal quarterback, which is still. Um, at an elite status in the world of the NFL, but it definitely changed the way that he was playing the game. So uh, if he comes and is relatively healthy, even 75, 80% healthy, I think that that's a big difference from what it was last week. Uh, I don't know what is going to be like, especially in the cold weather. So I think that's going to be maybe the biggest determinants of how this game goes. My guess is that it's at least a fairly severe ankle injury. But he's also an NFL player and probably the best NFL player in the world. There's no way Patrick Mahomes is missing this. I do think he will be limited. He won't be able to kind of create and be that wild card gunslinger. Can the Bengals capitalize on that? If Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, can those guys break loose and take advantage and put uh, Mahomes on his butt? Think back to what the Buccaneers did to them in that Super Bowl where I think people kind of thought we were going to have a, a blowout gunslinging matchup with that Brady versus Mahomes, and the Buccaneers' defensive line just destroyed Patrick Mahomes. Granted, they went out, they got guys like Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown to bolster that offensive line. I think he's in better hands. It's yeah, he's going to have to get it done. He's going to have to uncork it and let his receivers and backs and Travis Kelsey, I think, create more than usual. It's going to have to be Mahomes more in the pocket. You know what, too? And I think about, I mean, they when it, they think they realize what happened in that game. They were playing with two or three backup offensive linemen in the Super Bowl, which obviously, you know, you play with, there's a reason why they're backups, no offense. But uh, when you play with a backup lineman, uh, in a Super Bowl game against a defense like the Buccaneers they had that year, uh, he's obviously going to struggle. So what they ended up doing, and I think they did a really good job of this, was they uh, they got rid of a one or two weapons. Tyreek Hill obviously is a big one that comes to mind. And they uh, upgraded on their offensive line. So that way that they wouldn't run into the same issues because if you're going to be paying Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars or somewhere around there, you should protect him at all costs. So um, they did a really good job of doing that. And both of these quarterbacks, uh, Patrick Mahomes is, he's number one and number two in getting the ball out of his hands. I think that he leads the league and passes uh, at a time of under two and a half seconds. So it's no, he's no stranger to getting rid of the ball early and getting the ball into his playmaker's hands um, without being getting without getting hit. So uh, that's not something that is going to change their game or change what he does. Uh, I'm just more curious when it comes to the four or five times that um, that he normally would scramble for a first down or, you know, it's a, it's a third and three and there's nobody open. Can, is he going to be able to maneuver the pocket a little bit and um, make that play? Because everybody knows that football games comes down to four or five plays. Is he going to have the ability to do that or – uh, is he going to struggle in that regard? Um, because I think the rest of the game, the, what he's going to be able to do is going to be relatively fluent with what he's been able to do the rest of the season. 
Talking about weapons for these teams, and I've been sitting on this question. With the four teams remaining, let's just talk about wide receivers here. Which wide receiver duo would you rather have from the teams we have left? I think you have some interesting comparisons. For the first of all, first, are just are we including tight ends on this or no? No, no, no tight ends. Just so just Kelsey your, just doesn't, your so yeah. Kelsey doesn't nope, exist nope, in this. Nope, no backs, no tight okay. ends. So with the Bengals, you've got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins as your top two. With the Chiefs, I guess it's Juju Smith Schuster and Justin Watson according to their depth chart. Marquez Valdez. Marquez Valdez Scantling is the three, and McCole Hardman's out, and Kadarius Tony never plays. So you've got Juju and Justin Watson for the Chiefs. Are those the top two statistical? They're the top two on the depth chart at the moment. Okay. And then over on the NFC side, you've got Debo and Brandon Ayuk for the Niners, and then AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. I I feel like the Chiefs, which is this is crazy to think about because you have Mahomes and you have Kelsey, but I feel like of the wide receivers, the Chiefs are coming in fourth. But think about the duos you have: Chase and Higgins, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, and then um, who's the fourth one that I just said? Oh, Debo and Ayuk. Those are some dynamite pairings for wide receiver duos, but if you only take one, which pair do you want? Oh, I don't think it's a question. I think you want T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. I think that they're probably the funnest ones to – I think it's – I mean, I don't know. It depends on what kind of offense you want to run, right? Because Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are – they're so perfectly built for what the Niners want to do. That's true. That, like, I don't – and it's one of those things where, of course, they're syst- like, are they system guys or are they just that good? And I think it's both. Uh, but I don't know how good either one of them would be in the, like, in like, for example, the Minnesota Vikings offense or the Giants offense or you know, in other offense. I think that they're just so perfectly designed for the Forty ers offense. And I think that the uh, that the uh, Bengals receivers are just entire i think they're just more of an explosive crew and i think they are so uh they fit so well with what joe burrow is uh and that downfield passing game that i would say for me as a personality as an offensive coach i would take those two over Hmm. brandon Ayuk and debo samuel no love for A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. If we're going based on current numbers, I think I may take those two. A.J. Brown had the best season of all these guys. I think you're right on with the Niners, as good as Debo and Ayuk are. They're in the perfect system for them that knows how to use them, and they they get more done in the backfield. You can hand off the ball to Debo Samuel, and he'll take it like a running back or do fly sweeps or jet sweeps and get the ball in his hand. The tight end, is that's easy. That's Travis Kelsey no matter what. So figured that was too too much of a slam dunk i don't even want to give hate to aj brown and and Devontae smith i think they're both ballers as well and i think that that trade that they made for aj brown was it a trade or they signed him they trade him that that was a, i think they gave up a second or maybe a late first i'd have to go back and look at the draft it's fixed cu- i mean a quieter i don't know if it's a if it was quietly one of the best deals or if it was very loud one of the best deals regardless it was one of the best off-season moves and we're kind of seeing that come into fruition now. I mean, A.J. Brown was good. He was good with the Tennessee Titans, but he was potentially in the wrong system. And now we're seeing what his what his ceiling looks like, and he has been somebody that's been able to take the top off of the defenses really well, and his big physical style and the way that he can work um, has been something that's really been uh, fun to watch, especially with Jalen Hurts and to see his growth and what he's been able to do passing the ball downfield. So what is your pick AFC title game? What do we have on the over-under? Did you have that? So it's 47 and a half, which these are a couple of points I wanted to get to. Uh, in the last four AFC title games, all of which have been played in Kansas City, all have gone over the 50-point mark. 
The over-under, at least what I'm seeing on CBS Sports, is 47.5. So if the last four, all that, what are we calling, Burrowhead, have gone over 50 points, the lowest total is 51 last year between these two teams. What was the final score last year? It was... It was like 31-24. I mean, 51, so... But the but the but the Bengals were down seventeen nothing or seven twenty one to they were they were down I remember them being down I was in the wrong order um Bengals won twenty seven twenty four last year and that's the the combined fifty one is the lowest over under we've had in these four straight years at Kansas City they've all been pretty close well they kind of took it to the Bills two years prior but they've all been relatively close games the winning team has scored thirty plus points every year before last year. So at the over under set of forty seven, the spread is what two and a half, one and one, a half, one and a half in favor of the Chiefs. So we're looking at like a twenty eight twenty six kind of game, right? I mean, based off of what they're predicting, something like that. Uh, yeah, you would hit the over with that. So an, another like twenty three twenty three game. It's one of those ones where they're they're going to be tied twenty three twenty three or twenty four twenty one. Somebody hits a field goal to tie it up, and they destroy that forty seven and a half, just crushing people's souls with getting to forty eight points. Something like that. I, I am going to go Chiefs. I want I want the Bengals to win, but if I if you made me put money down, I would bet on the Chiefs to win. I for really no good reason. I I think it's going to come down to big plays. Patrick Mahomes is he might be limited, but I think he's still going to make it work. Travis Kelsey's going to get open. Isaac Pacheco has turned in to be a find for them. That Andy Reid offense at home. I with really really not much empirical evidence, more just a gut feeling. I'm going with the Chiefs. What score? I think it's going to be lower scoring than people say. Um, I, I just think that Bengals defense has been legitimate all season, and they've really turned it on. I think in the last six or eight weeks or something, the most they've given up is 20 points in a game. Whether or not they win or lose, they're not giving up more than 20 points. <coughs> so I think they get right to that mark again. I think we're going to have like a 20-14 to 14 game. It's going to be more defensive than people think. We don't think about the Chiefs in defense, but you still got Frank Clark, Chris Jones, <coughs> those guys running around there. So... Give me the Chiefs in a low-scoring game. Jeez. Um. Yeah. So okay, low-scoring game. I think the Bengals put up 27 points against the Bills last week, and they kind of coasted to uh, coasted to victory after that first quarter. I uh, I think I'm going to go the same route as you. I think I'm going to I am going to pick the Chiefs. Actually, I think I am going to pick the Chiefs. I um, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, is going to come out for revenge, you know. They uh, obviously, I mean, if you look at the score, it was twenty-seven, twenty-four. But I do think at one point the Chiefs were up twenty-one to seven or twenty-four to seven, right in that range, and the Bengals were able to come back. We all kind of thought that the Chiefs were going to blow them out last year in the AFC Championship game, and then they ended up uh, losing. And so I think that you know Patrick Mahomes isn't one to talk about revenge or spite or anything like that necessarily and it's maybe not in his personality perhaps but uh i don't think that that's something that he forgot and i don't think that is anything that chiefs nation has forgot either so uh i do think that the chiefs are going to come out and win this game uh i'm going to go against what you said i think it's going to be more of a higher scoring game i think both of these offenses are going to um slice their way i think the first half will be more high scoring than we think it will and then i think it'll come down to which defense steps up in the second half so uh, I'm going to go with a score of 31-27, but I think, but I think that it's going to be somewhere around, 
you know, twenty-one seventeen in the first in the first half, and then both defenses are going to step up in the second half, and it'll be a defensive battle, trying to figure, uh, trying to you know see which one steps up more. The late touchdown by the Chiefs um, to win, so thirty-one twenty-seven, I think is going to be the final score. And we're both going Chiefs, and I know that this factoid goes against my argument. But this is the fifth time in history that the AFC title game features teams playing in back-to-back seasons. In three of those instances, the team that won the first game also won the second. The only split was when the Patriots and Ravens played each other back-to-back in 2011 and 2012. I don't know if that means anything. I just thought it was fun. I know it goes against our arguments of picking the Chiefs. I I, I trust Andy Reid as a coach. Patrick Mahomes is the best player on the planet, even if he is 80%. Yeah, and again, I think this is going to be. I think these. If you just want to talk about the depth of these games, I think that these are probably the best four teams in the NFL. Um, I don't know that one could argue against that. The Bills obviously I have the, their the, holes. The Bills are on line one for you to. Yeah, and we can the, talk the mafia. I mean, if we want to talk about that for a second, we can. I just think that the Bills rely so heavily on what Josh Allen is and what Josh Allen does that when Josh Allen isn't Josh Allen. We see what happens against the Bengals. They need to be able to do more than just have Josh Allen play Superman. And when he is good, he's great, and he can carry that entire franchise. But when he when you go up against teams that have complete rosters and complete defenses, we see what happened last week. And so they weren't able to obviously stop Joe Burrow, and then when you can't score any points with Josh Allen, um, it makes a big difference. So in my opinion, like as good as the Bills are, that's almost kind of like that Lucas syndrome where, or the Josh, the James Harden syndrome where they're going to be really good for a lot of years because they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, just like those teams had one of the best players in the NBA. James Harden maybe is a better example than Luka is, but uh, there's James Harden also had a ceiling on how far he can make it into the playoffs because you get down to the nitty-gritty, you're going against some of the best coaching and some of the best defensive players, rosters, all of the above. And it's just going to be a way different deal than it is when you're playing against, you know, teams in the regular season. Topic related to that that we discussed on last week's show, I want to get your input on. If we take Brady and Rodgers out for kind of being old and we know they're kind of trending towards the end of their career, if we Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, who's number two? Regardless of what happens this weekend, any quarterback in the NFL other than Patrick Mahomes, who you got? Number two, Captain Kirk Cousins. Delusional Vikings fan, imagine that. <laughs> so that's a good question. Uh, number, I, I mean, if you want to just go off of pure productivity and winning and, and all that, I think that my number two would probably be uh, Joey B. Yeah, and that's the argument I'm trying to make when you look at what he keeps doing. Yes, he has great weapons and great coaching. Offensive line still needs to fill holes. But the guy just wins. People love Josh Allen, and Josh Allen is, is phenomenal. I think he may be my number three if you if you take Brady and Rodgers out of the equation. Mahomes Which I don't even know that you can put Brady in that to begin oh. with. Oh. Not this not 45-year-old Tom Brady, uh, right? Because it's like Russell Wilson completely fell off this year. Jalen Hurts, this is one year. I need to see more years out of him before I buy into it. Trevor Lawrence is getting there. Justin Herbert puts up the numbers, but he hasn't won yet. Josh Allen may be number three or four. But you look at the landscape, I'm thinking Joe Burrow. It's Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow right now, which I don't think people saw coming into the show. Like, I yeah, think maybe Joe Burrow's number five or six. He's really good. He got to the Super Bowl. But now, like the way he's playing, 
I think he's he's that number two for me. Yeah, and I I mean, is what are the other quarterbacks I would argue? Lamar Jackson maybe be up there, uh, right? Maybe four or five. Uh, who else would be? Who else in the NFL right now would be considered to be an elite quarterback? You know, I think that they may be the I, Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, is the is, is the uh, he's the one that breaks the curve. I guess is maybe the best way best and, way to say it. And the, and yeah, like you say, Lamar may be up there, but I. Guys like Lamar and Kyler Murray really, really scare me. You see that they. I don't know that we can put those two in the same category, can we? Lamar's got to be better than Kyler Murray. Well, yeah, but it's it's still those those hyper athletic quarterbacks like we saw with Cam Newton. Cam Newton was amazing for four five years, years, four years, five years for being generous, and then completely fell off. I know that nobody likes him anymore, but before he was out of the league, Deshaun Watson was in that top five conversation. He looked bad this year. Dak Prescott's kind of floating around there. Yes, no, Dak Prescott's of, no, like maybe no Dak he he, I, he may be in, in the bottom half of the top ten. I think that may be yeah. where he is, right? Yeah, because I mean Matt Stafford's old and banged up. Kyler's not in there. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of guys in that middle tier: the Derek Cars, the Jimmy G's, the Ryan Tannehills. Um, yeah, I think you're Kirk Cousins may be floating around that top ten, but I think you really also all these quarterbacks in the AFC. What's going on with NFC quarterbacks? But after after Mahomes and Burrow. Herbert, Trevor Josh Lawrence, Allen, Josh Trevor Allen. Lawrence. I think there's probably more talent in the – there's more young talent oh, yeah, in the definitely. AFC than there is in the NFC. Yeah, you take, which, Bra- take Brady and Rodgers out of the NFC, and what do you have? Kirk Cousins. Jalen Hurts, right? That's true. I just I just need to see – I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan. I just need to see more than one year out of him. Yeah, I would – I'm a huge fan of his as well, and I think that the growth that he's shown is, is good. Uh, but, again, he's another one of those quarterbacks that – I mean, he may be a little more st- – uh, sturdy, but he is a running type quarterback, which we have known to see that their shelf life is maybe five years. And so I'm, uh, he probably is a comparable to uh, Russell Wilson. I think maybe, maybe a good uh, comparison. I don't know if he's a taller, but you know, a strong leader, you know, agile. Um, and uh, I don't know that he's necessarily carried by that defense that, um, to where he's at right now, but he certainly helps to have an elite defense that he's playing with. And I think the same thing happened with Russell Wilson and the Legion of Boom. And so I think that that's a good comp. I don't know where that'll land him, but I think that that is probably the best comparison. And we see Russell Wilson had a good five-year stretch, six-year stretch. Maybe that's it, right? And he obviously, yeah, we saw what he did this year. Um, I don't think that he's going to be as bad Next year, I think the firing of the coach is going to make a big difference, but uh, I think that's probably the best way to compare what Jalen Hurts will potentially turn into. Speaking of Jalen Hurts, the, can you name the four quarterbacks that are starting these games? Can I? Yes. Joe Burrow. Okay. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Okay. Brock Purdy. Okay. Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Where did those guys all finish their college careers? Can you name their colleges? Okay. Brock Purdy, Iowa State. Okay. Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma. Okay. Patrick Mahomes, Texas Tech. Okay. Joe Burrow was LSU. Okay. And what do three of those conferences have in, or three of those teams have in common? National champions? Nope. No. Three of the Big 12. There we go. Look at the Big 12 pumping out the quarterbacks. Everybody wants to hate on the downtrodden, awful Big 12. Look how good we got it, turning out three of these quarterbacks playing in the conference championship games. How about some love for the Big 12? Everybody wants SEC and Big 10. You know what, though? And I'll say this. Because of the offenses that are produced in the Big 12, I'm not surprised. And and I, I don't remember this game. I'm sure I watched it. But 
I think it was the 2019 showdown, Brock Purdy at Iowa State and Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. I think it's the only time they met in college. And I think I looked this up. Purdy and Mahomes missed each other by like one year. I think Purdy may have been redshirting. It was right before he got to Iowa State. So I was trying to think if Mahomes, Hurts, and Purdy all played each other in college. They did not. But uh, there's a, a lot of clips going around of the Purdy and Hurts 2019 Iowa State-Oklahoma game. So it's a it was a wild game, a lot of fireworks if you want to go wet your whistle for this weekend yeah i think that the reason that i think it was what 42 41 i think yeah, i think brock pretty came back and then they went for two if i remember watching the clips correctly and they didn't get it um i think they were trailing the entire game i think they were down by two touchdowns with like five minutes left to go in the game I mean, like before brock purdy i think iowa state was like one in 87 all time against oklahoma and then he got there and i think he beat him a couple times now we're like four and 87 all time against oklahoma and the thanks to matt campbell so when you're Iowa State going against Oklahoma, you go for broke. You're not like, oh, my gosh, well, let's play for overtime. No, you're Iowa State, they're Oklahoma. Put it on the line. Go for, go for broke and go for two. So those are acceptable losses. Those are acceptable losses. I'm going to pull this up right now because I am curious as to what their overall record is against Oklahoma. Moral of the story is go Big 12 quarterbacks. Moral of the story is when you throw the ball around a lot in the Big 12, you're going to end up having some good quarterbacks come out. Also, uh, Iowa, the land of quarterbacks, because Joe Burrow was born in Ames, Iowa, while his dad was a coach. So the birthplace of Joe Burrow and where Brock Purdy graduated from and became the greatest quarterback in the history of the college. I thought that Joe Burrow grew up in Ohio. He grew up in Ohio. He was Mm. born in Iowa. So credit where credit is due. I don't know why we put so much stock in where people are born and what that has to do with their identity. But because we do, I'm going to lean into it and say that Joe Burrow was born in Iowa. We only do it when it's in our favor. Correct. Of course. Yes. Duh. The Plains, Ohio, doesn't mean anything when you're born in Iowa. Darn right. So just because you grew up there and went to college there and play your pro career there. And can we just, I, I'd love to bury Ohio State anytime I can because they're Ohio State. But let's remember that Ohio State was like, now, nah, Joe Burrow, you're not good enough to start here. And so he transferred. Well, can you talk about what, what, who they had in their quarterback room for a second when he was there? A bunch of people not as good as Joe Burrow. Well, I don't Cardale remember. Cardale Jones. Who? What, what's that? Braxton Miller, Cardale Jones. I don't know who was there. No, it Dwayne was Haskins. after him. It was Dwayne, it was Dwayne Haskins was in that room. Aaron Murray. He was he he was probably the most accurate. Who what was the other name that you said? Isn't Aaron Murray there and transferred to Georgia, or did I make that up? Aaron Murray. Aaron Murray played at Georgia. Didn't he start at Ohio State, or did I dream that? Aaron Murray is like t- way. He's bef- not that much older. He is way you before any of this. I'm looking this up. Aaron Murray was. He, I feel like Aaron Murray played in like 2010, and so uh, no. <laughs> I don't think that he was a part of it, but I think that that quarterback room, I think Cardell, Cardell, no, I think it was Dwayne Haskins, and then it was also uh, the kid that was from Las Vegas, from Bishop Gorman, that ended up transferring to Miami, transferring to UNLV. Burrow redshirted at Ohio State, according to Wikipedia, so hopefully this is accurate, redshirted in 2015 at Ohio State, two years backing up JT Barrett. Who is the Big big Ten's touchdown leader in in passing touchdowns. In 2018, there was a... A quarterback competition between Burrow, JT Barrett, and Dwayne Haskins. Okay. Joe Burrow, blah, 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 blah. After he didn't get the job, Haskins was going to be the starter, so Burrow was like, I'm out of here. So he transferred in 2018. He transferred to LSU. And I think I but also, can we also talk, the 2018 Joe Burrow was not, like nobody thought that he was who he thought he was going to be in 2019. They got a new coach, a new offensive coordinator. Hey, at LSU? or At LSU. Who was that head coach? Go Tigers! I was gonna, I was gonna, I was hoping you'd give me an Ed Orgeron impression. 
and but it, I wasn't I it wasn't the head coach because he was the head coach before he got there. It was Joe Brady yeah. who ended up being at LSU. So what's he doing now? Is he around somewhere? I thought he he's like, like the, the quarterbacks coach for the Bills. Yeah. Um, or the offensive coordinator maybe. He but he works for the Bills now. Oh. And uh, so once once he came in, then everything changed. And Burrow put up like the single greatest. We have fifty touchdowns and three interceptions. I think it was sixty touchdowns. Something. Whatever the uh, yeah, he only like had the, three interceptions yeah, all like season. The greatest quarterback performance in college football history. I mean, let's not talk about the fact that he had probably maybe the, some of the top three of the best receivers and one of the best running backs that in. You know, you have those weapons. I hope that you can put up those numbers. It does take a point guard to be able to do it. I may have been way off on Aaron Murray. Who am I thinking of? I don't know, but Aaron Murray <laughs> played in like 2010. So you may be right. God, who am I thinking of? Um, anyway, Aaron Murray was good. He's a four-year starter for the Dogs, and he was good. Uh, played in a couple, you know, SEC championship games. But the the Bulldogs have played. A handful of freshman quarterbacks. Um, had, yeah, Justin Fields went there. Justin Fields went to Georgia and transferred to Ohio State. Was that one thinking of? I thought it was the other way around. There was some guy who ended up getting drafted in the NFL. I don't know. We don't need to waste time on this. So, no, Aaron Murray literally played in 2010 <laughs> as a freshman. So, um, he was good, but he was a little bit older. If you remember, his number one receiving target was AJ Green. So if that, puts it, if that puts if that puts a date on when he played for Georgia, AJ Green is no longer playing for the Bengals, who he got drafted by in 2011. He's playing for the Cardinals somewhere. Yeah, he needs somebody to throw to him though. Well, there's you know, that'll... not that we're making a hot take here, but Colt McCoy is a little bit older. He's a little bit past his prime. Did anybody remember that Chad Henney was the Chiefs' backup for those couple drives when Mahomes came out? And this is – I love when broadcasters do this where they know exactly what I'm thinking. Mike Tirico called this on the spot during that Chiefs game. And it was like Chad Henney coming into the game and said something to the effect, does anybody remember that Chad Henney was in the league and that he was the Chiefs' backup? In a million years, I could have not have told you it was Chad Henney. I, I probably would have guessed Chase Daniel. It's like I had no clue. What, that Chad Henney was still in the NFL or that he was with the Chiefs. What college did Chad Henney go to? Michigan. Come on now. What about Chase Daniels? Missouri. Okay. Probably about the same time as Aaron Murray. Chase Daniels, yeah, that's actually probably true. Chad Henney's a little bit older. Remember when, like, that's like the last time. Did he play with Mike Hart? Was he on that team or Mike Hart a little older? Uh, yeah, I think Chad Henney and Mike, I think those was, were the guys that were there when they lost to App State. and they Was that, is that Chad Henney? I think yeah, I think that was Chad Henney, Did, Mike Hart, Braylon Edwards may have left, but they had like Jason Avant maybe. They had two really good receivers. There was Ar- they, there's a Arrington maybe. Yeah, they had JJ Arrington after that who's from Iowa, but they had like Braylon Edwards, Jason Avant, and somebody else. Jason Avant, yeah, my, I remember Mike Hart because he's now the running backs coach in Michigan, I believe, right? Yeah, he's around doing something. Wow, that was what was that 2007? Yeah, somewhere in there. Man, look at us pulling. We've talked about 2003. We're talking about 2007. See history on this show. We don't just talk about the current events. The names that we could pull out of this are. I'm. I'm pretty. I'm proud of us. This is good. We're doing good. I'm not mad about this draft thing. So I'm just going through old drafts. So I figured Adrian out Errington. Adrian Errington. Who's JJ Errington? And Mario Manningham. Mario. Yeah, it was Mario Manningham. Was after Braylon Edwards and Jason Avant. Mario Manningham was awesome. JJ Errington may have been like a running back with the Cardinals. Adrian Errington's like the best name. That's a pro wrestler name. 
We don't need to talk about wrestling right yes, now. Yes, we do. Royal Rumbles this weekend. You guys never let me talk about, no matter who the host is, nobody lets me talk about pro wrestling or MMA. We had a phenomenal UFC 283 card. Props to Jamal Hill. Nobody lets me talk about WWE and the Royal Rumble that's coming up. Yeah, nobody cares. Rude. Sorry. Uh, do you want to talk about coaching carousels and the future of Aaron Rodgers on this week's show, or do we want to save that for the future? Uh, we can talk about coaching carousel. Let's talk about what positions are open first. What positions do we have open? So the big news this week was Frank Reich taking the Niners job, which it, I'm not shocked that Frank Reich got a job. The circus that has become the Indianapolis Colts. Not not surprised that he flamed out there. He and Jim Mersey clearly didn't get along. I really hope Frank Reich does not try the reclamation project of Carson Wentz a third time with the Panthers. They have Sam Darnold. They drafted Matt Corral. Maybe they, they have a drive back, high draft pick. May see if they take a look at a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young. But Frank Reich, the quarterback whisperer, I think he'll do really well if the franchise gets behind him. I don't think it's official as of this recording, but all signs point to D'Amico Ryans getting the Texans job, which I think is a great move for them. One of the icons of their franchise. He had a great career there as a linebacker for the Texans. And this franchise, I'm not at all surprised they fired Lovey Smith. I think he was a guy they brought in to clean things up. He was a one-year guy like, okay, let's get some structure. Let's get some order. You need, a, I think, an intellectual guy like Lovey Smith there to make that happen. I think the Texans are like the fourth team in history. They're going to have four new coaches in four consecutive years. So props on joining that club. Yeah. Why would you want to, uh, can we talk about that for a second? At what point would you choose to take that job? Like, why do you take that job? Because no, it's an NFL. There's only 32 of them. There's a lot of coaches out there who I think take jobs just because they're offered and they're NFL coaches. Like, Hey, how, how often am I going to get offered an NFL coaching job? I get it. But I, I just, I mean, maybe I look at like Lovey Smith, for example, He's already been an NFL coach. He did well with the Bears. I, I This is my conspiracy theory. No facts behind this, but I'm convinced Lovey Smith knew going in that they were like, hey, this thing is an abysmal disaster. Can you just come in and clean things up for a year and straighten the ship here? So whether or not that's true or not, that's, that's my outside take on it. So another couple of names that have been rolling around, uh, Sean Payton. So to and to finish that, the the three remaining jobs are Cardinals, Broncos, and Colts. We had a huge swath of coaches hired in twenty twenty two, and I think Nathaniel Hackett's the only one who actually got fired from that class. Yeah, so anyway, he already found a job. Yeah, which more on that here in a minute. But Cardinals, uh, yeah, Cardinals, Broncos, Colts are your three jobs available. Cardinals, Broncos, Colts, and I don't even know the crazy part about those three. I don't even know which one of those jobs is the most attractive. The the Broncos probably have the best franchise, right? That, like the the Broncos and the Colts are relatively well run historic franchises. But I don't. I wouldn't want to. I, I in my opinion, I don't know why you'd want to go to the Broncos just be based off of not even having Russell Wilson, but the contract that they have Russell Wilson under kind of right. limits everything else that you can do with that, right? I mean, you have. You know, twenty percent of your cap is based off of a quarterback that threw fifteen touchdown passes last year, and I don't think that he'll be that bad. But that's a big, that's a big cap hit, and you have to be able to put things together in order to have a winning franchise. I mean, we kind of we watched that with the teams that are playing this year, right? Yeah. Um. So, and then the Colts, obviously. I mean, they were. I mean, they with what they did with Matt Saturday and everybody. That was kind of a disaster. You know, the the loss of the Vikings, they lost to the Cowboys in, in really, really tough fashion and they just didn't finish out the season very well. And again, it's a really well ran franchise, so it's odd that it happened this way. Uh but I don't even know that that is necessarily a super attractive job either. So if you're somebody like uh like a Sean Payton, 
let's say who can pick and choose as to whether or not he where he wants to go and what he wants to do is there a reason for him to want to go to any one of those jobs right now or do you wait another year and see if there's a better job that opens up for you I Sean Payton's he's the big fish out there and I wonder if some of these teams are waiting to find out what he's going to do Russell Wilson supposedly wants him that's really the question do you want to deal with Russell Wilson or do you want to deal with Jim Irsay the Colts owner who very much seems to have his mind on what he wants, did not like what Frank Reich was doing. They're going to draft a quarterback in this class. Don't don't buy into this. They're going to trade back. He wants his next Andrew Luck. He wants his next Peyton Manning. It's going to be C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. So the Colts are going to stick there. It's it's which, co- which coach wants to deal with that. It sounds like he really wants Jeff Saturday. I don't know that I would go with Jeff Saturday as my full-time head coach right now. Um, I think Shane Steichen, who's the offensive coordinator with the Eagles, is a guy to watch. He was with the Chargers when Justin Herbert got there, so the guy knows how to build offenses. Uh, there's a couple other names out there that I'm, I just don't have pulled up in front of me right now. We can dig into this more in the future. So watch out for guys like that to go into the Colts. I think I do think the Broncos are still the most attractive job. We have to remember they do have new ownership, This the Walmart group, as we all just kind of colloquially right. call them. 100%. They're still new, so there's nothing saying they're going to be as good as the previous regimes that the Broncos have had. It is a t- typically well-run historic franchise. I think the Broncos are the number one job, Colts are the number two, and then the Cardinals are the three because you you're tied to Kyler Murray, and I don't know as bad as Russell Wilson was this last year. I think I'd rather be tethered to him than Kyler Murray right now. Yeah, and so the the other name that I think that's that people miss on that I don't know if I don't know how long it'll be till he gets a job is Brian Flores. Uh, when he was yeah. in Miami, he was a good coach, and he I mean a lot of things obviously we know kind of what happened with that ordeal. If you want it, we don't need to dig into that. But um, how much longer is it until he gets another head coaching job? He interviewed for the Vikings defensive coordinator job, which that might be a good position for him to take. Uh, but I don't think that he was necessarily a very I mean, he was a good coach, and he won eight or nine games last year with the Dolphins. Um, I think it was opposite almost of what happened this year where they started off cold and then they ended up winning four or five, six in a row to end the season, just missed the playoffs versus this year. I think that it was the opposite where they ended up losing three, four, five in a row and stuck into the playoffs. But, uh, you know, I think that's another name that we need we can't forget about. I don't know that he gets a job this year, but it's somebody that uh, is going to be – uh, an attractive name in the future yeah. and flores is a good one i just wonder if the some of the drama around him if that keeps owners skittish steve wilkes is a guy who kind of got the panthers respectable this year he's somebody to keep an eye on i've heard leslie frazier's name batted around with how well he's done with that bill's defense but as a viking fan you may not feel the same about leslie frazier's potential well i think leslie frazier is fine i just think that he was i don't know that he you know it's strange that he is for his personality it, it is interesting to see how he runs a defense because he obviously i mean i don't know how good the bills defense actually is they're good but uh typically defensive coordinators are a little bit more fiery a little bit more in your face and that's obviously not his personality he did find as a viking head coach he kind of he was a part of the teddy bridgewater um era the very be- the very uh beginning of it and uh so he had to go through some turmoil and he just didn't handle it very well i don't think he's a bad head coach i think he has a lot of potential but i just don't know if he is gonna be able to turn a franchise around necessarily and that's what a lot of head coaches are asked to do which speaking of that i've not heard anybody mention mike zimmer's name i wonder if a team would give him another shot he's he's uh taking a job at the university of colorado oh nice for with Dion, D- with for Dion. prime um 
Yeah, so a lot of names out there, and we're required to mention Eric Bieniemy's name. The the fact that some of these jobs aren't getting filled, specifically Colts, Broncos, and the Cardinals, I do think D'Amico Ryans is basically a lock for the Texans. Leads me to believe there's some coordinators out there. Uh, Brian Callahan maybe with the Bengals is somebody else that we need to talk about teams looking at. So I think there's some coaches still coaching, and then Sean Payton is the big domino to fall. Does Sean Payton? I think Payton is the Broncos, or he goes back to the commentator booth, which if I had to put money down, I'd say Sean Payton takes another year and waits for another job to open. A uh, big one, Dan Quinn also decided to go back to the Cowboys. He's a coach that I think a lot of people would look at to bring in as their head man. So a lot of a lot of names out there, a lot of stuff going on, but because we're not hearing more, I think there's coaches on these playoff staffs that these teams are waiting for. Yeah, and again, I wouldn't be surprised. There's, I mean, there's there's a lot of really good names, um, but again, I don't, I, I just to me, you know, I like why, like I just the franchises that we have now. To your point, I don't just don't know that any of them are super attractive. And Kyler Murray's contract and what they have going on down there, like I don't know that that's a very well ran franchise. Um, and I honestly am like the with his whether we want to call him antics, whether you call it his personality, whether it's just youthful immaturity, um, and he's going to grow up. Like I don't know what's going on in the head of Kyler Murray, um, and for all we know, he could just be a child that has just has to mature a little bit. I don't want to deal with something like that if I'm going into a situation. I want to have a mature quarterback something that can lead the franchise so to your point i do believe that russell wilson and the broncos are probably the most attractive job but i just don't see um anybody of significance going into that job either um and so i you know it's funny because nathaniel hackett he may be it may be a blessing in disguise that he got fired early only after 12 games of coaching them um because I think that he's going to have a lot of success um, being the offensive coordinator for the Jets. That's that's why I'm keeping an eye on this uh, Shane. I think I'm saying it right, Steichen, Steichen, the, Steichen. The, the, the Eagles OC. He's a guy to keep an eye on, a, a young offensive-minded coach. If he can mesh with Kyler Murray, that's going to be the key. I don't think you can bring in an old, stern, fuddy-duddy kind of coach in there and get the best out of Kyler Murray. I think you need young, energetic, understands this millennial, Gen Z culture, whatever it is, and can also be a offensive genius i think he may be the guy on tap for that yeah so uh with nathaniel hackett going to the jets what do you think uh, what do do you think do you think that that's a multi-step plan that they have in place or do you think they they want him to actually work with zach wilson over there what is what are we thinking is going to be happening with that they hired him to attract aaron Rodgers. end of story yes what do you think it takes for aaron Rodgers to go there the an enormous draft package that would appease the Packers. I think I think the so transitioning over to this last topic before we get to our little trivia game. If I had to if I were making the decision, I do think Aaron Rodgers goes back to the Packers, but it is curious to think about and if you buy into the where there's smoke there's fire adage, there's talk that the Jets are trying to mount an offer to bring Aaron Rodgers over from the Packers. He is not a free agent, so they will have to make a huge trade I'm talking multiple first-round picks, some other late-round picks, or players. Uh, I I think they're going for it. That's why they brought in Hackett. I think the defense is set. You've got Robert Sala, great head coach, defensive-minded guy, but they need to swing for the fences if he wants to keep his job. And I I think they're going all in to do what they can to attract Aaron Rodgers and make it a place he wants to be. But you're going to be giving up probably your 23 and 24 first-round picks at least to get Aaron Rodgers over to the Jets. The Packers are not going to let him go cheap. So then what happens with Zach Wilson? 
he rides out his contract or they just trade him away. I don't, I don't think there's a big demand for Zach Wilson. I think there's plenty of veteran quarterbacks coming available. I don't think a team would trade for him. Either he just sits on the bench and rides out his contract or... He turns into the Josh Rosen of what happened five years ago, more or less, right? That's a very good comparison, and a Josh Rosen type player. Yeah, Josh Rosen, who, I mean, drafted by the Cardinals, played for the Dolphins for a couple years as a backup, maybe. Maybe he started Was he on, like, five teams in three years, I want to say? I don't remember. He was perpetually a backup, but it was out, and people had all these. He was a big red flag prospect where they said he's not great in the locker room and he has a lot of issues, but people were like, but look at the arm, look at that golden arm. But proofs to show there's a lot of facets that go into being an NFL quarterback. You can't just throw it a mile or fit it in the tightest windows. I and, and maybe it is a change of scenery. I don't. I don't think Zach Wilson's ever going to become Justin Herbert or Josh Allen. He may be able to stick in the league and be a backup for a few years. I just, yeah, I don't. I think we've kind of seen what we're going to see out of him. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, like you said, just turns into a career backup or maybe plays four or five years. Which, um, side note, on that draft, I think I to this day believe that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are the only two that should have gone in the first round. No Trey Lance, no Mac Jones, no Zach Wilson. I think those Mac guys, Jones for sure. Trey Lance no, is still no. First, no, no, not as a first round pick. No, that's why I agree with you. I'm okay. agreeing with you. Yeah, Trey Lance is still up in the air. Uh, you know, and that, yeah, he. I think. I mean, I guess. I guess it depends on what you're what you're looking for in terms of a first round pick. Are you looking for an immediate starter, a year two starter? Like, what is, like, what are the goals out of a first round pick? Because obviously, those are the the two most productive. But are we looking for the most productive right out of college? Are we looking for the most tenured of someone that's going to be a consistent franchise quarterback for multiple years? If that's the second one, is the is the is what we're looking for? Then Trey Lance, we don't know yet. Right, but the other two obviously are not anything that we can expect them to be. I think they both went too early. Yeah, it's I. I think the newer quarterbacks you've seen who have been studs right away, the Burrows, the Herberts, those kind of guys have made it. You have a shorter leash. You don't have as much time now to develop. You have to be ready to go right away. I do think too, based off of how the uh, the culture the the quarterback culture is nowadays. I mean, you get. 20 starts and if you aren't productive after 20 starts you really need they i mean the nf the teams move on from you so quickly so much faster than they will in the past i mean trevor lawrence had a oofy first year and then he won a playoff game in his second year well like addition by subtraction apparently with that with the urban meyer how much of that was trevor lawrence and how much of that was urban meyer in year one well i mean they hired an the super bowl winning coach right which That's makes a big difference move. what's that brilliant move to bring in doug peterson that's such a like a off the like that's such a like a, a backwards like an underground like that's one of the best hires it has to be yeah Doug peterson's just kind of boring people just remember him from his oh yeah he won a super bowl and then they were bad and it's like oh he's just kind of boring but stability i think that's what that franchise needs stability maturity football iq and now yeah trevor lawrence is playing his way into that top five quarterback but getting back to our our main point here Aaron Rodgers next year will be playing in A, Green Bay, B, with the New York Jets, or C, another AFC team, because I'm convinced they're not going to trade him within the conference. If they're trading him, he's going to the AFC. I think that the he's going to be playing for the Jets. And as a Vikings Ooh. fan, I pray that he plays for the Jets because I don't like him. As and then he'll backer. come to the Vikings in two years. That's kind of your guys' MO. That's kind of our MO. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, I think that, 
you know, I asked the question earlier. Is it, is it, do they hire Nathaniel Hackett as a multi-layer? Is it a multi-step process in order to reel in Aaron Rodgers? I think the answer is yes. And I think that, um, you, as to your point, regardless of his age, oh, is he 38 now? I think, I think he, I thought they said he'll be 40 by the start of next season, but I don't sure. have that right in front of me. Um, so I might change my mind on that then because I think what's going to end up happening is uh, a lot of the Packers are going to want more for him than teams are going to be willing to give up. And, you know, because you can't give up a lot for a 40-year-old quarterback regardless of name or status or statistics or anything that he's done. Obviously, he has confidence in himself. I mean, we all heard it, the fact that he still believes he could play at an MVP level. Um, but I just think that, you know, there's younger, better quarterbacks out there that you can, you can find, uh, that would be able to, uh, be able to move a franchise forward and just like the, the Jets, are they built to win now or are they building to win three years from now? Um, and that's just a question that, you know, it's a good question to ask. I think that they have a really pretty solid defense, good defensive coach, um, I don't know how solid their weapons are on the offensive side of the ball, but I think that I think that they're more franchise aimed towards building. And I don't think, I, to me, I don't know that they would be willing to finance um, winning three years, four years from now, in order to win next year, and then not be able to win because they'd have to trade away draft picks. They may have to trade away a defensive player or two, um, and then ultimately turn into what could potentially be what the Rams have done where you finance the future and whether or not you win the Super Bowl or not, um, they come back and they end up being a sub-500 team for two or three years. So you're willing to give up two firsts for Aaron Rodgers? I don't think that there's a lot of teams that would be. Mm. I changed my mind just because I didn't realize how old he was. And just and to my to, in my opinion, I don't think that there is a – I don't think that there's reasonable – there's full reason to give up that much for Aaron Rodgers. I think that the Packers want that much for him. I don't think that teams are going to be willing to give up that much to get him. So he will turn 40 in the middle of next season. You know, and again, like, did he have a good season this year? Yeah, he had an okay season. But just coming off back-to-back MVPs. So, in, so, yeah, he's. Not, I don't think he's decrepit. I don't think he's washed up. I just don't think that anybody's going to offer a deal rich enough for the Packers to want to take it. I think he just kind of, whether or not he's excited about being in Green Bay, I, unless he does some crazy thing where he forces his way out, I think he's, I'll, I'll take the bet that he's with Green Bay next year, but if you want to, we'll come up with a wager for this for the future. The 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 the, the plus 5,000 wager is that he retires a month Ooh. before the season. Does it have to be a month before or just between now and then? Just between now and then. Ooh, that's a, that's a risky one. It may be worth it. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think that he will because he thinks that he can play at a at an MVP level still. But I wouldn't be surprised either. There's video. There's video. There's game shows to host. Okay, let's go. I'm. I've been waiting for you all day. Yeah. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers hosting game shows, we're going to finish this extra long episode with some trivia. And this is a new game we launched last week. Tried it with Andrew. We'll see how Austin does. I'm going to name the Big Four champions from Major League Baseball, the NBA, NFL, and NHL. You name the year. Now, for clarification, the NFL season, we're going by the year most of the when most of the games happen. So, like, this year's champion will be for the 2022 season. Okay. Does that make sense? And then yep. NBA and NHL, because they span, it'll be, like, the 2023 champion. And then Major League Baseball is nice and does it all in one calendar year. Sure. So. Let's go. Most of these are in your lifetime or near your lifetime. I didn't make you do, like, 1937. Thank God. Uh, in no particular chronological order, just jumping around here. 
your four champions. The I'm New not going to do very well on this. I can already tell you. I mean, I might do okay, but the New Jersey Devils, New England Patriots, San Antonio Spurs, and the Florida Marlins. 2003. Uh, you're not going to do so well, and you get it on the first try, which is the one that gave it away. Marlins. Marlins. I was wondering if because you're you're a bit you're a big baseball head, so. All right. The Dodgers, the Lakers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Four titles between two cities. Okay, say it one more time. Dodgers, Lakers, Bucks, Lightning. Dodgers, Lakers, Bucks. Oh, COVID, 2020. 2020, the bubble season. I was trying to think of the Lakers championship. Yeah, COVID. Okay, yeah. New England Patriots, Pittsburgh Penguins. Cleveland Cavaliers and Chicago Cubs. Twenty seventeen? You're so close. Twenty sixteen. Yeah, the, okay. The most historic year for Cleveland or Cleveland. Chicago sports fans. Yeah, and I guess Cleveland fans too. It was a big year for those fans. Okay. I was I knew it was right in that area. Okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay with that because okay. oh, I knew I was right there. Again, the Pittsburgh uh, number four. Again, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Washington, currently known as Commanders, Chicago Bulls, and Minnesota Twins. Should narrow it down with a couple ninety-one. Of, ninety-one. I was wondering if Mister Minnesota would get the Twins. Yeah, that's before my age. Just so weird. I all know. I, I said close to your age. One year is eighty-seven to ninety-one for the Twins. The five good years in a hundred year history. Yeah, that's not true. I guess they were good when they were the or they the Washington Senators before. Yeah. yeah, we have one of the best pitchers of all time, but that's okay. Mariano Rivera. No, sure. No, Joe Nathan. What's his name? <laughs> Johan Santana. Johan Santana. But anyways, move on. And your final one. You're you're three for four, and you, the one you missed was just by one year. So you're hanging right in there. Pittsburgh Steelers, San Antonio Spurs, Chicago White Sox. And there was none due to a lockout. 2007. Wait, 2007? You're close. 2006. You're getting closer. 2005? 2005 was the NHL lockout season. It's the White Sox. That's when the White Sox broke their big streak. With with Bobby Jenks. Wow, look at you pulling out all the details. Yeah. I mean, Spurs and Steelers, those are kind of, that could be any number of years, but I figured the White Sox, they had, it was like a 50-year streak, or was not quite that as long? I don't know. But, you know, they, they swept the Astros that year, and it's the first World Series. They had Mark Burley. Who do they have? They had the, uh, Freddie Garcia. They had four pitchers straight go seven-plus innings. It's the only time in World right. Series history that that's happened. Jermaine Dye, Mark Burley. Was Pudsednik on that team, maybe? AJ Przinsky. AJ Przinsky. Ozzie Guillen is the manager. Yeah. Was Juan Pierre on that team? No. He, they swept the Astros when the Astros were in the National League. Oh, yeah. Forget about that. Yeah. Back when we didn't all hate the Astros. Yeah. All right. Anything else for this week? So show? I got three out of five technically. Yeah, we'll give you three and a half. You were close. How much closer was I than your friend? Uh, he he missed like one by like two years. Oh, so I missed one by two years and missed one by one year. Yeah. Technically, right? So cumulatively, you missed by one more. Yeah. But just don't tell Cubs fans that you missed their... 100 year year like 2016 2016 i the i yeah that's they beat they beat the astros no who did no. the cubs play in that uh the now guardians oh yeah 
Forgot that they were good. They're never good. They're yeah, because like they had a fifty-year drought versus the Cubs' hundred-year drought. Did they have that long? Yeah, because Cle- yeah, Cleveland hadn't won one since like oh 57 yeah, I or guess that's ridiculous. probably true, huh? Yeah. How far back? So, what's your what's your sport of choice when it comes to champions? What's the one that you can name the most of? In order, or just name them. Well, we'd have to still do chronological, doing from newest to oldest. What's the how? What's you probably NFL or hockey? N- NFL would probably be easiest. Hockey, I don't know well enough. I have like hockey, I know more recent, but you get back before like ninety five. I'm SOL. I would just say the Canadians and the Red Wings a whole bunch. Oh well, if you can get back to ninety five, that's pretty solid. I couldn't do it in order, but I could probably get close. Like I could name all of the teams. Can you do? Can you do the NFL? I, I mean, probably pro- not in order. No. So I don't, I don't think I could do it in order, but I could get last close. year was the Rams, right? The Rams, and then the Bucks were the year before that. The Bucks were the year before, and then the year before that was the Chiefs. Twenty nineteen was the Chiefs beating the Chiefs beating the Niners. Yeah, Chiefs beat the Niners, and then twenty eighteen was the. Was that e- no Eagles Patriots was twenty seven no that was Eagles Patriots that was, was twenty eighteen seventeen was Patriots over the Rams yeah right. the game we all thought was going to be really exciting and was, it was dull ten to three yeah um the year before that was the Patriots over see it's not as not as easy as we think um. I feel like it was the Patriots. Do we have to pull this up? I'm curious. I mean, I just had it in front of me, and I closed out the screen because I thought we were done, but I did. Like, I've been literally staring at the screen for the last seven minutes while we were doing this. I think it was the Patriots. I don't. I think you're missing somebody. 2017. Well, we just yeah, 2017 was Patriots-Rams. Okay, so 2016 was... Was that the year that the Broncos won? Or that was 2015. Because you had Broncos in back-to-back years. Broncos got Beat the just, Panthers. They got they killed the Panthers, and the year before that, they got smoked by the Seahawks. No, no, no it no, wasn't no, no, no. back. No, it wasn't back-to-back years. Because the Seahawks went back-to-back years. Yeah, Seahawks went back-to-back. Seahawks killed the not. Seahawks destroyed the Broncos. Correct. And that was like th- four, that was thirteen. That was thirteen. Fourteen was the Patriots over the Hawks. Patriots beat the Seahawks, and then fifteen the, was Broncos over the Panthers. Yeah. Or, Panthers, yeah, over yeah. Cam Newton, yeah. yeah. So what's the six? The sixteen one is the one where that sixteen we're... has to be paid because because it wasn't it, it wasn't the Lions. I'm, I'm going division by division. It wasn't the, any of the, the sixteen North. had to have been. It wasn't the. It wasn't the. the oh, pa- that was the. Uh, that's the one the Falcons blew. Yeah, the Patri- Falcons. The, the Patriots. Patriots came back on the Falcons. Yeah, okay, so it was right. Three. The Patriots. Yeah, because I remember the the 2012 season, the 2013 Super Bowl was the Niners Ravens, because that's when the power went out. I don't know why that one okay, sticks in my so brain. That's, yeah, well, that's why because well, it's the Ray Lewis year. And then 11 was I. I never remember these because 11 and 10 were the Packers and the Saints. And I never remember which is in which order. Uh, I think 11 was so no 10 was the Packers because you were graduated. So 11 was the Saints. 11 was the Saints. Nine was the Steelers over the Cardinals. Yep. Eight was the Colts over the Saints. No, that was 2006. Because 2007 is the Giants-Patriots year. We're, we're, missing, yeah. we're missing another Giant-Patriots Super Bowl. That was that might have been That was 11. So Giant, Giants, yeah. Giants-Patriots is 11, and then it was Packers before that. So Saints had to be 2009. Okay. 2008 was Cardinals-Steelers Steelers Cardinals, Steelers Steelers. over the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. 2007 was Giants over Patriots. 2006 was the Colts over the Bears, or that's yeah, 2005. Colts, Bears, Colts Bears is 2006. That was a, that was the downpour, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, what was 2005? Because the the Patriots were three and four. 
The Patriots are 2001, 2003, 2004. 2005 was... Um, that was... No, because the Ravens were 2002. No, 2002 was the Bucks destroying the Raiders. Yeah. 2000 was the Ravens. 99 was the Rams. Who was 2005? 2005. I don't want to look, but 2005 was... Because there was, there was a, like, in the, twi- in the 2000s, like, every AFC Super Bowl was either Colts, Patriots, Ravens, or Steelers, I think. So did the Steelers lose to Again, it was, no, it was the Steelers over the Seahawks. Oh yeah, I forget that Matt Hasselbeck made a Super Bowl. Yeah, and it, yeah, because that was like Big Big Ben's second year. Yeah. yeah. Th- this game is easier to play when you go by the AFC because you're limited to like five teams for like fifteen three years. Quarterbacks. So two thousand. So we got two thousand four was the Pats, right? Or yeah, three one three four is the Pats. Two thousand two is the Bucks. Two thousand was the Ravens. Ninety nine was the Rams. I, 90, see, I 90, can't. I can't go see, back that far. Ninety eight, ninety seven is Broncos. Ninety six was the Packers over the Patriots. And this is where I get fuzzy because I think ninety four, ninety five was the Cowboys. But early nineties, when you get into like there was there was a Niners year, there was a couple, bunch of Cowboys years, and then there was Giants in Washington. And I I never remember exactly what the order is. I want to say maybe it was in 91, 93, 94, the Cowboys. 95 was the Steve Young Niners. Mm. Somewhere, something like that. So 91 was Giants-Bills. 92 was... Yeah, because the Bills lost four straight. 90 to 94. Commanders-Bills. 93 was Cowboys-Bills. 94 was Cowboys-Bills. 95 was Niners-Chargers. Yeah. 96 was Cowboys Steelers and 97 was Packers Patriots. Well, that's when the game was played. That's not the season. Right. So we're yeah. so a year prior. Yeah, so 96 was Cowboys or Packers Patriots. I feel like we did pretty good. We yeah. got like 25. We got most of our our life. We listened to the winners, we struggled on the year. So, okay. Well, let's end this episode cuz I can't do baseball, so. <laughs> NBA just say Spurs and wherever LeBron's playing. It's Spurs, Heat, and Warriors. I mean, if yes. you guess those three, then you're add, probably add, add close. the Lakers and you're covered for 20 years. You're right. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us on this extra long bonus episode, episode 89 of the Sports Gospel. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next time, episode 90. Find out who's playing in the Super Bowl. Bye.